This is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, your number one place for anything you need to know about the Portland real estate market, along with in-depth interviews from our local real estate industry experts. Now, without further ado, here are our hosts, Tucker Merrihue from TTM Development Company and Steve Nassar from Premier Property Group. All right, everybody out there in listener land, this is the Portland Real Estate Podcast, and I am your host, Tucker Merrihue, and I'm here with my co-host, top producing agent and part owner of Premier Property Group, Steve Nassar. What's going on, Steve? Hey, Tucker. How are you doing today? Good, man. Thanks for taking some time today. I'm really excited about today's show. we got some cool stuff to talk about in terms of what's going on in this crazy market that we're in right now, but before we get into that stuff, you know, I want to chat a little bit about what's going on with me, but what's going on with you and your business this week? You know, actually, my team and I were quickly onboarding that development opportunity property that you met me at here about two weeks ago. It's that one that's about 40 seconds away from Progress Ridge. It's three and a half acres. I want to thank you again for taking a few minutes out of your busy schedule, coming over there, looking at that place with me, and kind of helping me wrap my head around exactly what we had, me and my seller. I know it didn't quite fit in the box of what you guys like to do. But just having your insight on that and input was hugely powerful, helped me get the listing, helped me know exactly how to move forward with it. So I appreciate that, Tucker, and you're always my go-to guy whenever I've got a unique property like that. So thanks again. Well, I'm glad I could help out. You know, your seller's a really nice guy. You know, it is a unique property, and I'm sure that you guys will do a great job listening for him and eventually finding somebody that, you know, fits for him as far as whatever it is they want to do, whether it's a future development play or whether they just want their little, you know, own private Idaho there close to all the amenities of Tigard and Beaverton. Absolutely. It sounds like you guys are probably busy, busy right now. I mean, it's the summer selling season, so, you know, I'm sure you guys are running ragged over there with new listings and, and trying to oh, get goodness. on the market, you know, closed because pretty much everything you, I'm sure you have on the market is basically pending on its way to closing considering the market action report. You know, here for quite some time, you know, there's been a couple little pockets over the past, you know, year or two where things kind of slowed down a little bit, but it's just when you take a listing live these days, if you're doing things right, which we do systematically, and we work closely with all of our brokers here at Premier Property Group to help them do the same as far as marketing and all the systems they utilize to get their property on the on the open market in a, the most efficient, effective manner. But, I mean, it's like a meteor hitting the Earth's atmosphere. Those listings just kind of vaporize as they hit the market with few exceptions and some one-off situations. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's obviously specialty properties and kind of obscure weird ones. But, yeah, it seems to me that everything is just moving super fast right now. And especially if you're doing all the front-end marketing right, which I know you guys do. So, well, that's cool, man. So, I'm sure you guys are busy, busy. Absolutely, yeah. And we're loving every second of it. Cool. Well, yeah, it's this is the time of year when you know things are generally more busy. I know on our end, we've actually got a closing today, one of our bigger rehab projects in Lake Oswego. We do a lot of new construction now. Occasionally, we do a rehab or two just to keep my guys busy, and that's how we started. So, you know, honestly, it's fun for me to take on a rehab or two at a time. And we did one that, I mean, it was a six-figure renovation budget. It was a big one, and it closes today. And the house turned out absolutely amazing. So I'm stoked for the people that bought it. They got a great property that basically got rebuilt, you know, so they're essentially buying new construction almost, which is cool. But, you know, it took all of about six hours on the market for that house to go pending with a full price offer of course and we've seen that over and over and over again I mean we haven't had to do an open house and I don't even know how long you know it's literally within hours of putting something on the market we have somebody saying they're going to write or we get an offer in so it's crazy out there right now man that's awesome what was the price point on that place 
it was 629,000 is what we listed for. You know, that's fairly high for the Portland area as a whole. But for Lake Oswego, for what you got, it was four bedrooms, three full baths, and two living areas. So in Lake Oswego, to get four bedrooms, three full baths, and two living areas, that's not very expensive, especially if you're buying essentially new construction. That doesn't seem expensive at all for Lake Oswego. <laughs> yeah, so hence why it flew off the market so quickly. Yeah, so, yeah. I ahead. would imagine those rehabs are inherently a little bit different animal and probably in some ways a little bit more challenging and fun, I would venture, just because, you know, new construction is probably more of a blank canvas, like, hey, here's what we're going to do, and there's really, you know, nothing to limit you on what you're doing outside of possibly the lot itself. But whereas, of course, with a rehab, I mean, you've got some bones to work with and you've got some existing components. So I can see where you have to be a little bit more creative to get a great product out of that. Yeah, it, this was definitely a creative house. It was a split level style home, which split levels aren't generally everybody's favorite style of home. So we had to do a lot of things to really kind of freshen it up, give it some style, give it some pizzazz, I guess, and make it the desirable house that it ended up being. But it turned out great. The buyers got a fantastic house and we moved another project in you know under a day. So that's always nice. Congratulations, man. Appreciate that. But other than that, it's been a little bit of a trying week. You know, I've seen a lot of things going on in the market right now, and I'll hold up most of those back till we get into our market action report segment. But I've been dealing with the city of Lake Oswego on a bunch of stuff, and it's been a really trying week in regards to that. We've got a big view lot that we're developing. It's almost a full acre that has a panoramic view of Lake Oswego. It's going to be an absolutely amazing home, but we've had a lot of challenges with the city as far as what we're going to be doing with our stormwater runoff. And so they've been making it rather difficult for us at a lot of our uh, turns here at the front end of that project. So I think we finally come up with a solution, but there was a lot of emotion and a lot of meetings earlier in the week to try and figure out the solution. So I'm hoping that that's all behind us now and we've got a great plan and we can start construction on this house, which will probably be about a $2 million home. It's almost an acre and it has a panoramic view of the whole lake and it's a flat lot, which, you know, those properties don't really exist. They're kind of like the unicorn property. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to cut down a tree in Lake Oswego. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that. You know, it's a very sensitive topic in Lake Oswego. I'm actually on the tree committee that the city has put together to help rewrite the tree code because it's become such a challenge, not only for builders, but also for homeowners. And so the hope is, is that they can kind of refine the tree code and make it fair to everybody. And so we'll see how that shakes out. But yes, it's always a challenge to cut down trees in Lake Oswego. It might be easier to rob a bank. <laughs> <laughs> some days. Some days. That's yeah. So it's good to hear things are rocking and rolling with you. Things are going well with me. That's a good place to be for both of us for sure. So now we've kind of chatted about that. Let's get into our next segment, which is going to be my favorite segment of this show, and that is the Market Action Report. Coming to you. Right, guys welcome back this is the market action segment we're going to talk about what is going on in the crazy market here in the portland area we got a lot to talk about we have our actual rmls market action report that both steve and i have looked at for this month and there's some crazy numbers on there so steve what'd you see what do you think and where do you think we're headed it looks good i mean it's a hot market there's no two ways about that the figure that jumps out at me right out of the shoot is inventory in months it's just marching lower and lower and lower. I mean, we started out the year in the three-month range, 
and then March, April, May, and now June are just consecutively going down further and further, down to where we are now at 1.6 months worth of inventory. I personally can say I don't recall ever seeing that amount of inventory. That is just such a crazy low number. From my experience and my recollection, and this is not a um, scientific comment, it's more of a <laughs> one based upon my memory, I don't think we ever got that low in the previous real estate boom back in the 2000s. Okay. I do remember some twos in front of those figures, but I don't remember ones and definitely not mid ones. No, it's crazy, that's for sure. And I, I think you're right about that. I remember we got down there, but I think 1.6 months, if it's not an all-time record, it's got to be pretty, pretty close. Absolutely. And the other thing that I'm noticing here, I mean, comparatively speaking, I have to say the appreciation that we're seeing is pretty tame considering that inventory. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I think high, high appreciation, even as we saw there for, you know, a year ago where it was in the teens, I just think that's unsustainable. I think that's going to cause big, big issues. So I'm pretty happy to see it down in the mid single digits i think we're around like five seven percent depending on which figure you look at whether it's the median sales price or the average sales price it doesn't make a ton of sense to me why it's not higher if i had to guess i would attribute it to perhaps the appraisal process and the firewall that they've put in between lenders and their appraisers as well as just the tight reins that are still in the mortgage world in general that still doesn't make a ton of sense because clearly there's not enough homes to go around and so people are bidding them up. But I guess if appraisals are coming in low and, and every transaction I do, that's a question that comes up. Both sides start talking about, okay, we're going this much over asking price. Is it going to appraise? And everybody's analyzing the down payment and what the contingency plan will be if it doesn't appraise. Oftentimes, if there isn't the down payment, I mean, they just, they'll move on to the next offer where there is a down payment that can help them get to where they need to be. So that's an interesting component to me in there is that I feel like the appreciation isn't in line with how low the inventory is, but I'm not upset about that. I think that's a positive thing. I mean, all the other numbers are just rock solid across the board. I mean, the amount of listings coming on, the average days on market was 44 days which is just, again, a crazy low number. It was a decrease of 11 days from the previous month. So, I mean, that's a big drop for month to month. Yeah, and I don't know if you knew this, Tucker. I had to call RMLS on this. I wanted to confirm what I thought was the case. I asked him, I said, that is only from when it goes active to when it goes pending. That does not include while it's pending prior to close. And they confirmed that to be the case. And that makes much more sense to me because most transactions take 30 to 40 days to close if they're being financed. So obviously that would be a really, really aggressive number yeah, if that was the case. That's a, but, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because otherwise it'd be like two days on the market, everything is done. And so that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And then one last thing I'll just kind of close with. I mean, I think the entire country is having a hot real estate market, but I have to say everything I'm reading nationally, you know, recently U-Haul, who tracks every truck, where they're going to, where they're coming from. I will say, and this is our experience as a real estate team, who is probably 
on Zillow more than any other team in the Portland market. I mean, we spend a ton of money with Zillow. We've got some great partnerships with them. So we get a lot of new relocation people via that website. I'll tell you right now, tons of people are moving to Portland. So I can't say definitively that every city is looking at figures like this. I know they're all probably pretty happy, but I know that our beautiful little city here is just growing like a wildfire. We're having just person after person from all over the country call us, and a lot of them are coming with job relocations. Our tech industry is going well. Hardly a week goes by that we don't get a, two calls from somebody with Intel that's relocating here, but that's just one of many, many companies that are coming here. And, you know, I've heard a lot of things recently, too, about the Bay Area. This is kind of interesting. You know, we talk about Bay Area being Silicon Valley and, you know, so many startups there. The reality is, though, that these startups are starting to second guess do we really want to go start up our little struggling company with employees that we can't quite pay enough yet because we are a startup in a city where the average home price is in the three quarters plus million range or do we want to go to somewhere like Portland, Oregon where they can actually have a high quality of life as we get our feet under the ground and heck there's also a pretty good tech industry there so I think we're really benefiting from that tremendously in our market which which is reflected in these numbers. Yeah, I think that's a great point, and you're right. I mean, property values down in the Bay Area are just ridiculous, and I know a number of people down there, and their inventory numbers are similar to ours, so it's really hard to find housing, and if you do, you're paying up the wazoo for it. And, of course, if you're hiring people on as a new company, you know, you got to pay them a lot of money for them to be able to afford to live in three-quarters of a million-dollar home, whether it be renting or buying. So, you know, that makes Portland a pretty... Uh, appealing place to potentially you know start up here versus down there it's just up the coast a little bit so all good points Steve I totally agree with you now as far as from what I see you know a lot of the same stuff that you're seeing the 1.6 months inventory that's crazy I think that we're gonna have an inflection point probably in this next report and from there it might start increasing a little bit I'm kind of looking at a couple of things to find out exactly where that inflection point in our market is where we'll start to slow down a little bit maybe inventory will start to rise appreciation will start to slow and I think that'll happen when you know new listings outpace pending sales pending sales increased again by 21.6 percent this last month and new listings only increased by five percent so we've got a dramatic increase in pending sales again now that part of that is the summer selling season so I think that as we get out of that and kids go back to school it'll gradually start to slow down I do agree with you I like the number that it was 5.8 percent you know prices rose on the average year over year from last June to this June, because that's when the report's for is June numbers. I think if it was more than that, I would be way more worried. Now, I do think that there's pockets within Portland where that number is higher. I looked at the second page of the report, and North Portland is off the chain. I mean, they're at 11.4%, which we saw, if you remember back in the boom last time, North Portland was a big boom area, and they put up some big numbers. But one thing I've noticed on this page here that shows where all the percentage increases were throughout town West Lynn and Lake Oswego, only 3.8%. Now, in the last boom, they were between 12 and 14% pretty much all the way through that. And so a lot less in the terms of gains property value-wise, at least in the statistics, in the area where we operate mostly in. But I think that's not going to stay. And the reason why I say that is I think that there's a little bit of added appreciation that hasn't shown itself yet. And whether or not that appreciation will stick or not, I don't know. But you've got your retail market, which is where everything is selling, which is basically what the market action report shows. 
And then you have my end of the business, which is the builder side, the project acquisition side, where we're buying stuff, whether it's dirt or whether it's homes that need to have a massive amount of repair and updating done to them. What people are paying for the dirt or those projects, they then have to put money into them, whether it's building the new home, renovating the homes, and they have to sell those homes. And so one thing we've noticed, especially in terms of what builders are paying for lots, the prices that they've been paying have gone up astronomically in the last six months. And essentially what that then does is it pushes the retail price up. So one neighborhood in particular, first edition. We were probably the biggest landowner in first edition at the beginning of this year. We've since sold out of most of our projects there and now we're not actually acquiring any more lots in there because there's some builders that are paying, in my opinion, way too much for lots and what's happening is that that's driving prices on the retail end once those homes are done and it's pushing that price up even higher. Now the market may be able to sustain that and it may be able to absorb those higher priced homes. Personally, I just have a little bit of reservation about it and that's why we've kind of pulled the reins in as far as acquiring new projects there. I hope for everybody's sake in the neighborhood that they do get those high prices that are going to be going on the new construction that's now just hitting the market that could be potential recorded sales in 60, 90, 120 days when the new construction is finished. But I'm a little weary of that. I'm watching that pretty heavily. I think that there's some builders that are getting a little bit over the handlebars again as far as what they're paying for dirt. And I think that that's going to put pressure on potential bubble neighborhoods. I don't think as a whole, I think that number that we talked about, that 5.8% average sale price increase over the last year is a safe number. That's a good number. But I think that there's parts of town that might flatten out a little more, might give back a touch, you know, a percentage point or two, you know, once people start to come to their senses and the, you know, the inventory kind of goes up again. Now, on a plus note, I think that our market is super hot mainly because of inventory. It's not a function of what last time's market run-up was, which was financing. You and I both know that. You could fog a mirror, you could get a loan, and that basically made everybody a buyer of real estate, which is what in turn drove up prices. This time it's inventory driven, and I think that that's a good thing, and it's a much more sustainable thing because people that are buying are much more responsible home buyers. They're putting money down. They're not going to be walking away from their home, so we're not going to have any sort of a foreclosure epidemic like we did in the past, which is going to make sure that the prices stabilize it wherever they get set at. So I think that that's good, but I am going to be watching certain pockets. I think that people are overpaying for dirt. I think that that's going to be reflected in the end RMLS listing prices at some point here. We'll see if the market soaks them up or whether the market says, you know what, that's too high. You guys are going to have to reduce your prices down to what the market's willing to pay. But you know what? That remains to be seen, Steve. Yeah, you know, Tucker, that's an interesting point. I do agree with that tremendously. I saw this happen last spring and last summer as well. And I predict, as along with you, that we're going to see something very similar. There's almost this propensity that hot markets tend to cool themselves a little bit. And here's how that works. Sellers are going to see this. I mean, this report, what you and I are talking about, has already been published in the Oregonian. And sellers start to catch wind. Oh my goodness, we're seeing the lowest inventories ever. And guess what they start to do? They start to get a little bit ridiculous. That house that was clearly comping out at 350, they're now saying, oh, let's put it on the market at 390 and see what happens. Well, if every seller does that, what happens? All the buyers start to cool off and they back off. And we saw this happen last summer. If you recall, things were going gangbuster in late spring, mid-spring of last year. That's 2014. And then just about the time of July 4th and through the remainder of the summer, suddenly it was crickets chirping. The market just got really, really quiet. And I don't think it was because there was a major fundamental change other than suddenly there was all these listings that were out there 
with sellers who had based their pricing on those phenomenal reports such as this one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Is all the agents of Portland run around for the next month or so talking to the sellers that are seeing this report and wanting to add a 10% premium to what they should have listed their house, maybe more in some cases. And as they start to list those houses at those amounts, it'll be interesting to see if that puts a wet blanket on this market as you were talking about with builders as well. Yeah, I think it's an interesting thing that could play out on both ends. And I think you're right. You know, sellers see this stuff too. And that then factors into the conversations they have with their agents. And some agents may, you know, give them the advice that, hey, you know what, we should list this closer to what it's really worth as opposed to the wishful thinking number. Some don't. So, you know, we shall see. But either way, I think we talked about some great points here. I think we really dove into this report. And hopefully, everybody out there in listener land kind of enjoyed both perspectives. All right, guys. Well, this has been episode two of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. I want to thank you guys for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great episode. But until then, see you guys later. Thanks again for listening to our show. And make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.